to be sensitive to the Lord, responsive to him as we worship together this morning. The first Sunday of each month, we have on the front of the bulletin, places of work, along with schools, you know, just encouraging you to stop, to think, to ponder about day-by-day living as it relates to being ambassadors sought and light for Christ. Sometimes we think of making disciples, sharing the gospel as being limited to those who may be officers, leaders, teachers, and so on. And if we take our leaders, teachers, and officers, they would appear on the overhead. I think the better way to think about it is to recognize that all of us are to be ambassadors, to be sought, to be light for Christ. In previous weeks, we discussed First Thessalonians chapter 4, which tells us to make it, or make, make it our ambition to mind our own business, work with our own hands, and to live quiet lives. And Colossians 4 talks about the fact that we're to make the most of every opportunity as we interact with our believers. First Peter chapter 3 talks about the fact that we are to be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks of the reason of the hope that is within us. And would encourage you to think about making disciples as day by day living as we interact with those in our severes of influence. We pause in a moment of silence. You share with the Lord your desire to be sensitive as we interact with God's word this morning. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for Christ. Thank you for the relationship we have with you. As we interact with several passages of Scripture this morning, we want to be sensitive to you, yielded to you, eager to hear with an intent to live in light of your word as we relate to Christ, we relate to you, and let your spirit work in us. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. You go up to Motor World and you're going to buy a car. And Travis shows you the car. And finally you say to Travis, I would like to see the engine. And Travis opens the hood and there is no engine. Would you buy the car? He says, this car comes without an engine. Would you buy a house that has no heat system if you live here in Pennsylvania? Would you buy a computer? As you look at the keyboard, you say to the person who is trying to sell you the computer, I notice that there's no I and no E keys. He said, that's the way the computer comes. Would you buy it? When it comes to purchasing a car, buying a house, buying a computer, we have some basic concerns. We want a car to have an engine. We want it to have 
the transmission and so on. We want a house to have a heat system. We want our computer to have the I and the E keys. When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think there's some things that are core, that are central, that if they're overlooked, we don't have a gospel. In the last two weeks, we have discussed God as being central to the gospel, sin, death, and Christ. Today, we want to look at some other items that I think are central to the gospel. And in relation to that, stop and think about what do people in our valley believe about humans? What do people in our valley believe and think about human beings? What does your friend, unsafe friend, mate, co-worker, a fellow student, think about humans? What do you think about humans in general? If we don't have a correct understanding of humans, we miss the gospel. According to Genesis chapter 1, humans are created in God's image. Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28, we won't read the passage this morning, but clearly talks about humans. Adam, Eve being created in God's image. In Genesis 3, along with Romans 1, 18 through 32, we find that Humans are fallen. They're part of Adam. And we know that as you look at Genesis 3, that Adam and Eve chose not to be responsive to God, and as a result, fell into sin. We find also, in light of Genesis 3 and Romans 5, that humans are in Adam. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I'll begin reading with verse 12. Romans 5 and verse 12. Paul has in chapters 1, 2, and 3 discussed sin. The end of chapter 3 and into chapter 4 and now in chapter 5 he's talking about Christ and what Christ has done. But Romans 12 and verse 5. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sin. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one come. Clearly, talks about sin entering through one man, death through sin, (coughs) death coming to all because all humans are in Adam, separated from God. That's the next point. Humans, by nature, are separated from God. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 3, Paul in chapter 1 so clearly communicates what the believer in Christ has in Christ, what Christ has accomplished. And then he says in chapter 2 and verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, separated from God in transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and so on. 
Then we find also that humans are sinful to the core. Romans 1, 18, through chapter 3 and verse 20, being one passage. Humans miss the point of life, a relationship with God. What happens if the issue of humans and what the Bible teaches is neglected? Basically, humans come to the point of believing, I'm a God. I'm good. I or we can set the standard. We use people, abuse people. I can do to get to heaven. I can do to have a relationship with God. I will use God for my good. A couple others that won't be up front, but we tend to develop the idea that education will solve our problems. Very, very strong belief in America. We also tend to believe that in our county, if we have enough rules and regulations, accountability, wrong will stop. You can have every rule, accountability, standard in the book. It's not going to stop what humans are like. I have found, as I observed our county and some of the corruption that has been found, and listening to people that were somewhat surprised that we have so much corruption in our county. Should we really be surprised when you stop and think about humans are in Adam? including us. We're separated from God. Should we be surprised when evil comes? Should we be surprised when our children defy us? Well, I thought I taught them. Still human. Romans chapter 5 then talked about sin and death. And we talked last week about Christ. Let's go to the next one. What do people in our valley think about, or what do they think concerning the cross of Christ? What does your friend, your co-worker, a fellow student, a neighbor, think or believe concerning the cross of Christ? What do you believe or think concerning the cross of Christ? And talking to religious people over the years in our valley, I brought up the cross of Christ. Oh, yeah, I believe in the cross of Christ. You believe Jesus died on the cross? Yeah. You believe he rose from the dead? Yeah. Well, what do you believe about the cross of Christ? Well, it's part of what God did to make a relationship with God possible, but I got to do something too. Hmm. Belief in the cross of Christ, but a distortion of the cross of Christ. What does scripture teach concerning the cross of Christ? Just a few thoughts. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. The cross of Christ is the propitiation or satisfaction of God's wrath towards sin. 1 John chapter 4. In verse 7, 
Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Christ is the propitiation for sin, satisfaction for sin. The cross of Christ is also a once-for-all sacrifice. A few pages early in your Bible in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Christ and the cross, propitiation, satisfaction of God's wrath toward our sin. And that was once for all. Hebrews 10 and verse 11 Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers sacrifices, or the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered, for all time, one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. This priest, referring to Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. We talk about the gospel, we discuss the cross of Christ. It's a propitiation, it's a once for all sacrifice. Where the sinless is dying for the sinful. It's a substitute. Christ, the cross, a substitute. The cross is in our place. The sinless for the sinful. And again, that's found so very clearly in Hebrews 9 and 10. In verse 8 of chapter 10, it says, First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here am I. I've come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish a second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. According to John chapter 3, Christ, the cross is essential. In John chapter 3, as Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, he talks about Christ being lifted up as a serpent in the Old Testament was lifted up. No cross of Christ. What happens? There's no cross of Christ. There's no salvation. There's no deliverance from sin. There's no deliverance from death. We remain in sin. We remain in death. We remain separated from God. 
As I said, we remain in our sin. There's condemnation. There's the eternal or the second death. And Jesus is seen as a good guy rather than as a creator and savior. Also, when it comes to the gospel of Christ, central, important is repentance and faith. What do people in our valley think about belief, repentance? If you ask the average young believer in your severe influence, what's repentance? What is faith? How do you think they might respond? What does your friend, your coworker, your fellow student believe? Well, repentance is, I'm sorry for my sin. Now, what, what do they think? What do you believe? What do you think concerning repentance? What does Scripture say? A turning from trust in self. Turning to a trust in Christ. Let's go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. A variety of passages you could turn to, but let's go to Romans chapter 3. We'll begin reading with verse 21. Romans 3 and verse 21. Paul has just finished stating very clearly that humans are in sin. They're separated from God. They're dead. Verse 21 of Romans 3. But now our righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known. To which the law and the prophets testify, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time, so as to be just, and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. It involves a dependency upon Christ. And again, we can look at a variety of other passages But when we think of humans created in God's image who are in sin, they're dead, separated from a relationship with God. We think about Christ. We think about the cross of Christ. There's a need for repentance and faith, turning from a trust in self, one's own ability, turning to a trust in Jesus Christ. Repenting of trust in self, And trusting in what Christ has done. What is true if repentance and faith are neglected? There's no reconciliation. These humans who are in sin, separated from God, there's no restoration to favor. No restoration in relationship. Because they remain in their sin. There's pride. Look at what I have done. You can talk to people over and over again and you talk to them about Christ and what he has done. You talk to them about sin and death. 
You talk to them about the cross. And then you say, do you have a relationship with God? I've lived a good life. I try to be nice to my neighbor. You know, I give money to God every now and then. What is all of that? Pride. Look at what I've done. I remember very distinctly talking to a man that was not in a very good situation. This goes back some, but he was in prison and I was visiting him in prison. And he was there for good reason. And in the course of the conversation, I brought up sin, death, Christ, the cross. And then I posed a question to him. I said, do you think you have a relationship with God? with Christ, and he said, yes. I thought, that's interesting. I said, why do you think you have a relationship with God? And then he started to explain some of the good things that he had done in his life. See, when we neglect repentance and faith, that results in pride. Look at what I have done. Neglect repentance and faith, there's also eternal condemnation. We remain in our sins. We remain dead. And it also results in pluralism. There's many so-called ways to God. You want to go through Buddha? That's fine. If you want to go through meditation, that's fine. But when you neglect repentance and faith, that opens the way to other ways. Another aspect of the gospel that I think is vital is eternal life. What do people in our valley think or believe concerning eternal life? Ask the, I don't care if they're religious or not religious, what do you think eternal life is? And many times you get the response, well, I go to heaven when I die. What does your friend, your co-worker, your fellow student, or your neighbor think or believe about eternal life? What's their thought process? What do you think eternal life is? Well, what does Scripture say? Scripture says eternal life is a relationship with God now and future. Turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 17. Part of the purpose... Maybe the primary purpose of the Gospel of John is so that people might believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and that by believing they may have life. And in the Gospel of John, eternal life is mentioned quite often. But in John 17, we find Jesus is praying to his Father. And verse 1 says, And Jesus said this, or after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me, in your presence, with the glory I had with you before the world began. 
This is eternal life in verse 3, that they may know you, the only true God, and know Jesus Christ. Eternal life, a relationship with God now and in the future, a relationship with Jesus Christ now and in the future. It's not limited to the future, it's now. And in light of John 10, in Ephesians 2, that eternal life is a gift from God. So we think about the gospel of Christ. It involves eternal life. But if we neglect eternal life, what are are some of the results? Salvation is seen merely as fire insurance from hell. Oh, I'm saved. And I'm not going to go to hell. Salvation goes far beyond that. It's deliverance from sin. Deliverance from death. Into a relationship with God and with Jesus Christ. If we neglect eternal life, live the way one desires here and now, but expect heaven. Oh, I'm going to heaven when I die. Why are you living the way you are? Because I'm going to heaven when I die. That's all I care about. Eternal life is here and now and future. It's eternal. What's the glory of heaven? Going to heaven? No, the glory of heaven is God, Jesus. We go to be with them. We walk with them day by day. But we're actually with them. If we neglect eternal life, the relational aspect of salvation is void. You know there's many people get married and they may have a sexual relationship but there's no relationship. They don't communicate. They don't care for one another. They don't minister for one another. They're not just Brokenhearted when they have to separate because that relationship is not able to be had. If we neglect repentance and faith, we think salvation is merely escaping hell and going to heaven. The relationship part is missed. So when you live your life each day, you have a relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, as you're on the job, you're doing your job. Relationship with God, relationship with Jesus Christ. As you're in school, you're studying, you're tempted to cheat, you're tempted to badmouth a teacher. Relationship with God, relationship with Jesus Christ. Neglect eternal life. Many professors of salvation who do not display possessing salvation. Also neglect a body life, just caring for one another, ministering to one another, and desiring to gather with other believers. And a focus on worship. Or focus on form in worship rather than the Lord. Lord. 
in the present day and age in which we live, one of the greatest issues in local churches many times is the form of worship. Do we have contemporary? Do we have traditional? Do we have courses? Or do we have hymns? And people can be very dogmatic in so many directions. But if eternal life is a relationship with God and Jesus Christ, why be so consumed with the form? We miss God. And I'm not saying it's got to be traditional or contemporary. That's not my point. If I defend one and condemn the other, I'm probably in trouble because I miss God. Eternal life is not form. It's a relationship with God, with Jesus Christ. But when you neglect that, then we get caught up in other items. The Word of God makes it very clear that the gospel involves God. It involves humans. It involves sin. And because of sin, there is death, separation from God. And because there is sin, separation from God, and God pursues humans, he desires a relationship. Christ comes into the picture. And when you bring Christ into the picture, you have to bring the cross of Christ into the picture who became, through the cross, the satisfaction, the propitiation for sin. And because of our sin, our death, repentance and faith. And that results in eternal life. Please notice, if you think about those, that there's somewhat of a progression God created humans in his image. He pursues them. But they chose not to respond. That resulted in sin, death. That resulted in Christ's coming, the cross of Christ. And the cross of Christ calls for repentance and faith. And that results in eternal life. We wrap up our time of interacting with Scripture. You should have received a handout with those eight items listed. I want you to stop and think about people in your sphere of influence, even yourself. Where are people in your sphere of influence in understanding God? How completely do they understand God? How completely do they understand humans? How completely do they understand sin? Death and so on. There's nothing sacred about this sheet. It's just a tool to get us to stop and think where people we want to reach with the gospel are and their understanding of the basic elements of the gospel of Christ. Pose a question. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Have you walked through repentance and faith, which comes by conviction of the Holy Spirit? Is that relationship with God? that relationship with Jesus Christ.
If not, why not trust him today? Another question, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, see yourself as sought, light, and ambassadors to the world in which we live. The way you live, the way you work, the way you respond, let that result in people asking questions. Why do you live the way you do? And then you can talk about God, sin, death. You can talk about humans. You can talk about the cross, Christ, repentance and faith, and offer eternal life. Let's sing together as Travis comes to lead us.